listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Um, Let's jump in. So a little story time. I picked up, I was on, I was on my, um, one of these last trips, one of these last trips that I was on, it might've even been the trip to the banquet. And, um, I was, as I always do, I was walking through the, uh, the bookstore, you know, the Hudson booksellers or whatever they got, um, in, in the airports. And, um, so I was going through, I always love to look at whatever books are out, all the new books, bestsellers, all of that stuff, business, nonfiction, fiction, whatever. And um, I had forgotten that I was waiting for this, but I saw that it had dropped and um, I, had been, I had been looking for this because I'm a fan of his, but Will Smith, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, uh, had finally dropped his memoir, like kind of his life story that uh, he co-wrote with Mark Manson. And I knew that it was coming, but, um, I wanted to, I love, I love hearing all those behind the scenes stories of, you know, the shows, the movies, all the the music and the stuff. I love, I love all that stuff. And so, um, I picked it up, but I wanted to get, when I saw that a lot of times what I'll do is I'll get the, I'll get the, uh, audible, the audible version. Cause I like the audio books and, um, that I really like it if the if the author reads the book. So if if we if you can get it where the author reads it, and Will Smith does read this in the audible version. So uh, I was a little surprised because he had made a vow when he was younger uh, to his grandmother, who's a Pentecostal Christian, by the way, uh, to never swear uh, in his in his rap and stuff like that. And of course, as you guys know, he never swears in his rap. Um, there's no cuss words in his rap music. Uh, However, there are in the book, there are in the book. So just a warning, if you're going in as if you've never heard language before, if you're going in there, he does swear in his writing. So, um, obviously he's, he's not a Christian in the rap culture, the movie culture, it's a dirty business. And so if that stuff puts you to a place where you can't even live a Christian life, then avoid it. But I got be, uh, behind the scenes. I like those stories. Well, Um, one of the things as I was reading it and I'm about done with it now, but one of the things that I was, uh, I noticed when I was reading it was, um, I was impressed by the fact that when he started off in fame from Philadelphia, uh, specifically West Philadelphia, born and raised, um, he kept the people around him that he had from the very beginning, which was to me, the loyalty of that is pretty amazing, but also the, uh, the ability of those people to continue to increase their knowledge of the business in order to stay on staff with him. And, um, one of his friends who's, a, uh, according to him, a very, very intelligent guy. Um, he calls him JL it's because those are the initials of his first and last name. Um, JL, he said, one of the things about JL, very, very intelligent, but at the same time, very dedicated to learning even more about his craft. 
and has stayed with him his whole life, almost like a manager uh, of his of his shows and movies and stuff. And there came a time where Will Smith was kind of transitioning um, away from music as his main focus. I think he'd done two or three albums with Jazzy Jeff, and uh, they they I didn't know this. They won the very first Grammy uh, when the Grammys added rap and hip hop as um, one of the the genres that they were going to give a Grammy for, uh, DJ Jazzy Jeff and Will Smith won the very first rap hip-hop Grammy ever in history. And I think they won two or three by the time it was over. But um, after the first few albums, and they weren't hitting as hard as they were at the beginning, he started to transition and obviously was offered this role to do this this show, Fresh Prince Bel-Air. Well, he starts talking to his friend. And his friend says to him, uh, tell me what it is that you want to do. Tell me what it is. Like, what do you want from this? What do you want from acting? What do you want from this career? Like, what direction? What's your goal? You know, one of the things that we talk about here on the broadcast often, we deal with uh, that if you're going to be uh, in the place of success where God's called you to be, you have to make up your mind about a few things. And you have to decide the direction you're going. What is it that the Lord has told you to do? Well, his friend asked him that style of a question. What do you want from your acting career? And his response was, he said, I want to be the biggest movie star in the world. I want to be the biggest movie star in the world. And so his friend said, no doubt. I'm going to make sure that we make choices to make you the biggest movie star in the world. Now, this is when he was young, like 20 years old, 21 years old. I think he was 20, 19 or 20. And he said, we're going to make moves. We're going to make choices and decisions that will make you the biggest movie star in the world. Well, they had to then use those parameters of what it was to, uh, how do you become that? Well, what they started by doing is looking at all of the things that were box office hits of, you know, the, of history in, in Hollywood. And they made, they looked at all of them, found the consistent uh, similarities, and they made a list. Every box office smash has all of these elements in it. And then they made, a, made, the, made up their minds, if we are offered scripts that do not have these elements that would push us toward our goal of being the biggest movie star in the world, we're going to reject it. Now imagine how hard that is when you're 20 years old or whatever, you came from, you know, a place where, you know, you hadn't seen that kind of money ever. And somebody comes to you and, um, as they did to them, his friend came to him one day, JL and said, now, listen, we just got an offer. And he said, the offer is amazing, but I want to give you some advice about it. Now, I want you to think about how uh, amazing this is, because we're going to be, this is what we're dealing with in this broadcast today. Some of you will remember a, mo a movie from the 90s that was called Eight Heads in a Duffel Bag. I think it was like a gangster film. If, if you've never seen it, you probably remember the title, Eight Heads in a Duffel Bag. They offered the role, one of the roles in that movie, to Will Smith and came to his agent, which I think was JL at the time, and said, we want to offer you this role. And I think they offered him $8 million to play in that. Now, this is a place where he hasn't, I mean, he hasn't jumped off to that place of like huge money yet. 
And um, <laughs> JL was like, they're offering you $8 million uh, to do this movie. However, I want to advise you against doing the movie. And Will's like, JL, this is $8 million we're talking about. And you want to tell me, now this was like his first big movie offer ever. He's like, are you telling me that now I'm I'm on television, now I'm getting movie offers, and you're telling me don't take the movie, and they want to give me uh, $8 million to do it? He's like, I'm telling you, Will, don't take this movie. He said, it's, I've read the script multiple times. He said, I want it to work. They say like, well, why does his friend want it to work? Well, his friend who is his agent is going to get 15% commission on anything that he takes, any project that he takes. So I want you to think about how literally the power of will that it would take to say no here. This dude is going to get $1.6 million as the agent. If Will takes the movie, the, the agent is advising him to say no, knowing that if he says yes, the agent now becomes a millionaire and close to a multimillionaire. And he said, say no. He said, why are we saying no? He said, I've read the script multiple times. I don't, I know it's not the kind of a movie that's going to make you uh, the biggest movie star in the world like you asked for. And he said, all right. I'll say no. Will trusted his friend and said no to this offer of $8 million in this movie, which he was not in. The next offer that they got uh, came back and uh, heavy hitters were in the movie. There were very well-known actors, great actors, very, very uh, accomplished. And JL says to Will, we've got another offer now. And this offer, he said, let me just tell you, I've gone through the script. It's phenomenal. He said, first of all, it's not going to typecast you as like some rapper doing a movie. Second of all, you're going to be surrounded by world-class actors. And third, the script is phenomenal. They, the things they've written for you to say and to do are awesome. That will, they will let everyone see that you are not some uh, musician, fam- famous guy that's trying to be a movie star. It will bring out great acting in you and they will see your acting chops through this movie. It was one of the first movies he ever did called Six Degrees of Separation. But he said, what's the downside then? He said, they only want to pay you $300,000 to, to do the movie. So he went from an $8 million offer to a, an offer of $300,000. But he said yes to that movie because it was part of the journey or the avenue towards the goal they had set for their life. If in order to go that direction, you were going to have to make choices that would take you to the place where you can eventually accomplish that goal. And of course, we all know his story now. I mean, you know, he went from doing everything, you know, from uh, uh, all the Men in Black movies to Hancock and Hitch and uh, what, what else? I mean, Wild Wild West and, you know, all the different movies that were box office smashes that you should see the money they made around the world, Uh they say in the book, arguably the hottest run any actor has ever had in history in blockbusters, worldwide sales, unmatched, completely unmatched. We say, well, why is that? They made choices that aligned with I Am Legend. Yeah, all the ones that they did. I, Robot. And they made choices that were aligned with the end goal, which was to become the largest movie star in the world. 
Um, and so the, the thing that I want to talk about today that really, really will help us is understanding that, uh, and we're using it in the context of to protect your sanity and to accomplish what God's called you to do is exactly what he did in yeah, the bad boys movies, by the way, funny thing about that, Dylan, he was in the bad boys movies, the bad boys movies. Do you know who they were supposed to go to originally? It was not supposed to be Will Smith and Martin Lawrence. Those movies were written for Dana Carvey and John Lovitz. <laughs> those would have been completely different movies if those two cops had been played by Dana Carvey and John Lovitz. I think that's the one he said that he wished he hadn't turned down, Ninja, was Neo from the Matrix movies. But um, amazingly, the ability to say no to the right things. One of the things that, that I see often, people are bogged down. People are bogged down um, with doing stuff that does not bring them any closer to what they're called to do, to what they want to do, what they want to have in their life. They're bogged down with all these things that don't bring them any closer. And it's a form, catch this now, it's actually a form of double-mindedness. And the Bible talks about that. We're going to get into it. But I want everybody, just so you're comfortable with it, I want everybody that's watching right now live, I want you to, in all caps, in the comments, two letters, N-O, put it up. If you have to put the exclamation point, put it, write it, type it. That is key. If you are going to do what God has called you to do, if you're going to walk in the power of God, see the blessings of God, you've got to put it down. No, no. That's got to be a major part of your vocabulary. No. Liz called it ahead of time. No. And this is the thing. So many people have a hard, very hard time saying no. Well, you got to ask the question, first of all, why do people have a hard time saying no? What is it that makes it so hard for especially Christians to say no to things? I think there's a multiplicity. Number one, nobody likes conflict. That's, that's, that's really... Write that down, Tiff. The Slight Edge is a great book for achieving your goals by Jeff Olson. The Slight Edge. I'd read it. Um, Liz says, my favorite word. <laughs> but part of the, part of the uh, issue that people deal with is they don't like confrontation. They don't like friction. You know, when you say no, there's already that, that friction that's there that's like, I don't like confrontation. I don't like, uh, the other part is, is uh, you know, guilt for displeasing people. Oh man, come on. You know, they don't like to, you know, I don't like to disappoint people. They want to say yes to everything. Why? They're people pleasers. And see, one of the things that you'll find out early on, early on is if you are a people pleaser, you cannot be a God pleaser. Please write that down. You'll learn that and it'll blow your mind to have that in your spirit. If you are a people pleaser, you cannot be a God pleaser. That, no question about that. I'm going to say it again because of how important it is. If you are a people pleaser, you cannot be a God pleaser. 
And the reason for that is because the things people want will always be, and for the most part, unless they're, you know, godly people, will be at odds with what God wants. Especially when you look at what's going on today. Imagine going into the world. Imagine going into culture. Imagine going into public schools. Imagine going into uh, whatever. Government. Doesn't matter. Corporate world. What those people want is directly opposed to what God wants. So if I'm going to, now straight up, if I'm going to be talking about the spirit of this world, what they want, what they're expecting of me and what they want me to be okay with all of that, I will easily displease God because the spirit of this world, as we know, is directly opposed to the spirit of God. You cannot. So that that's why the Bible talks about the, the subject. Paul writes this, that the flesh, which is the carnal part of you, that the the enemy wants to control is constantly at war with the spirit. Amen. And so that's how it is in the world. That antichrist carnal agenda is opposed to the spirit of God. So if I'm trying to please everybody all the time, especially in the world, I'm going to be displeasing to God. Now let's get on, let's get on the level of, uh, when we're dealing even with Christians, because you can say yes to Christians and try to please Christians and still displease God. You say, well, how, how can that be possible? The way that it's possible is because God has given you a purpose. He has given you a calling. He has set you in position to accomplish something for his kingdom. But here's the deal. People are people and they want what they want. And not everybody's as selfless as they should be. There are people that will try to make you do things because they want you to do them. It, it benefits them. And they don't care that you're in the midst of something. They don't care that you're doing what God's called you to do. They want you to do what benefits them. Doesn't matter, Christian or not Christian, doesn't matter. And the thing that we have to recognize is my first loyalty, my first loyalty is to God and his call upon my life. That's my first loyalty, not people, not anything else. My first loyalty is to God. You know, when I've given, you know, we've talked about this, even with Carolyn being on with me, we've talked about the priority levels, right? uh, Of any person's life, even a family person. It starts with God. My relationship with God is before anything else, anything else, right? So it goes, God, so I'm talking about me as a married man with children and a ministry slash you could put in career for you, business, whatever. Here is the level or order of priorities. Are you ready? Your relationship with the Lord is always number one. That's it. Then number two is always your husband or wife, not your kids, your husband or your wife. That's number two. Number three is your kids. Your children are third on the list. That blows some people's minds because they think they should be first or second. They are third. They are third. And number four is your ministry or your career. My ministry is never above my children. It is never above my wife. And it is never above my personal relationship with the Lord. Let's break it down. First of all, 
if my, if I put anything above my relationship with the Lord, then I've got a serious problem. He'll have no other gods before him. And if you prioritize something over him, it has made it a God to you. Jennifer says, well, what if you don't have a spouse? Are your kids number two? Your kids do move to number two, unless obviously you, you have a spouse again, then, then the order changes. But yes, uh, it's God first. And if you don't have a spouse, they've left you or they've passed away or whatever. Yes, your kids are second. And then of course, uh, what you do after that for a business ministry, whatever is next reason I say that, what good would it do for me to run all over the world and minister to everyone else's family, minister to everyone else's children, and my kids aren't even serving the Lord, they're on their way to hell. That's foolish. That's foolish. And in fact, get this, that would disqualify me for, from being a minister. Because according to uh, scripture, if you're going to be a spiritual leader, uh, as I am, then I have to rule my own house well, the Bible says. Have children that not only serve the Lord, but re respect me. That's, that's Bible. That's a prerequisite to be a minister. I have to rule my own house well and have children that respect me and, and that serve the Lord. And so that means, because here's the deal. If I can't guide my own house, how could I guide God's house? That's the whole, that's the whole thing. The Bible's showing us there. If I can't guide my house, how can I guide God's house? And so for me to have that happen, that would automatically disqualify me from even being a spiritual leader. So I can't put the ministry above my own family and the ministry above my wife and all the, it would just completely put it out of order and there would be problems. And so uh, there will be people that'll try to get you to do what they want you to do. I've had it happen a ton where people want me to run all over the world to do things for them, for them. And uh, I have to, at some point you have to understand that you're called to do what God's called you to do. And that's your priority. God and his call upon your life, that is first. And I, I love to help other people. I love to be there for other people if I'm able to. But you cannot bend yourself over backwards to try to do all these things and please all these people and go all these directions at the expense of not fulfilling what God has called you to do. Because now you're just, you're, you're doing all these different things. You're running on a hamster wheel going nowhere and your own personal purpose from God has never moved forward because you've not been able to say no to things that you need to say no to. That's a sign of strength, fortitude. When you can look at things that do not further what God has called you to do and say no to them, just to say no. Uh, I often quote the, uh, the mantra Bishop David Oyedepo and his church use, but notice that no is built into it. If God didn't command us to do it, let it remain undone. If God didn't tell you to do it, let it remain undone. What, what they're saying is, if we didn't get a personal command from the Lord in our leading by the Holy Spirit to do a thing, we're happy to let that thing remain undone for a hundred thousand years. Wouldn't matter. It wouldn't matter. Or let someone else do it who is called to do it. 
Now, I've used that uh, illustration for our ministry before. Like, there are things that need to be done in the world, but I have not been instructed to do them. Now, I'll give, I'll, I'll sow towards them. I'll give towards them because they do need to be done. But as far as spending my own time to do them, I can't because I was never instructed by the Lord to do those things. And if I went and did them anyway, it would take time away, resources away, strength away from what I'm actually supposed to be doing. A great example of this is obviously there are orphans all over the world in, in these nations, many of them sick, many of them diseased. There are we, we are in need of orphanages. No question about that. And, and I know that's true. However, I have never received an instruction from the Lord to get involved in building orphanages, meaning me, our ministry do it. Now, I would be happy to sow towards it, have sown toward it. But as far as doing it myself and having a team do it and all that, I've never been instructed by the Lord to get involved with building orphanages. And so, yes, it needs to be done, but I'm not the one that was called to do it. And one of the most freeing things that the Lord has ever spoke to, spoken to me in my spirit was in Brazil. And I was praying and the Lord said to me, and I was tired, man, I'd been running all over the place and doing all this stuff. And the Lord spoke very simply to me. Do you know what he said? And I've told it to you on the broadcast. He said, you're not my only worker. That shook me up. That shook me up because I almost took pride in how hard I was working for God and burning myself out and going nonstop and never resting and all that. And I was just, you know what I was praying for? Oh Lord, give me strength to even preach tonight. Give me a word for your people. Just give me, give me supernatural strength. And instead of doing any of that, the Lord just said to me, you're not my only worker. You're not my only work. And I thought, Good Lord. That is, and he took me to uh, Mark chapter six and showed me that when his disciples were done working, he, he told them by command, go rest, go rest yourself. And he said, you're not my only worker. Well, that showed me something. <clears throat> it showed me that God has so many others around the world that are also receiving instructions from him to do the things that need to be done. Uh, yes, he's never told me to build orphanages, but he has told other people to do that. Now I could sow towards what they're doing. I could, I could bless them, but for me to get out of my lane and get into somebody else's lane is detrimental to me and to you because you've got to realize your purpose is important. Your calling, it is important. And for you to deviate and take an exit off the highway that God never told you to take It'll bring you to a destination you never were called to go. To which you were never called to go. Sorry, I'm being my own grammatical Nazi. And so I want you to understand it. Saying no to the right things, meaning the things you should say no to, opens the door for you to be able to say yes to the right things. Saying no to the right things opens the door to be able to say yes to the right things. And so if I say yes to everything, there's going to be stuff I can't do and stuff I should be doing that I can't do because I've said yes to everything. 
I'm just doing everything. I don't want people to be that mad at me. I don't want people to be upset with me. I don't want people to be irritated at me. I don't want, I don't want conflict. I just want people to be happy with me. I don't care. You got to get to the place where you don't care. And the guy that wrote, the guy that wrote that book with Will Smith, Mark Manson, has an interesting book out on the shelves currently. It's called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Care. And I've edited that title for you. But it's out there as a New York Times bestseller. Uh, I'm not sure, because he has a paint splatter in the middle of the word on the cover, so I'm not sure what he's writing. But I think it's care. The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Care. You have to learn that you cannot allow the feelings of others, the emotions of others, to run your life. It puts you on a hamster wheel. All you're doing is pleasing other people, pleasing other people. I may have lost viewers just recommending the Will Smith book and the Mark Manson book in one broadcast. But if you love me, no, I'm just telling you that if you get into that, if you fall into that trap, of trying to please everybody, trying to make everybody, you can't make everybody happy. In fact, did you know the Bible says, the Bible says that we should beware when all men speak well of us. <laughs> That's a problem. Beware when all men speak well of you. Something's up if everyone's happy with your life. I've always told people, you're not living for the Lord hard enough if everybody's happy with your life. Beware. So according to uh, scripture, there should be people that are displeased with us. Of course, the wicked will be, but not everybody's going to be happy about your decisions. This is why, and I was dealing with this the other day when we were talking about, uh, you know, how, how to move forward in your calling. Uh, and somebody said, well, isn't my, don't I step out in faith first? No, you get a word from God first. That's what I was teaching the other day. Uh, what was the title on that broadcast, Tiff? where I was talking to Robert about, he said, shouldn't I step out in faith first? And I said, no, the first thing you do is you uh, get a word from the Lord. We were given the, the breakdown that you get a word from the Lord first. Why is, it was this week. Why is that? Why do we get the word from the Lord first? Because it, when we step out on the word and people start getting bent out of shape and then some people come and say, well, that's not, that's not right. You shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't be going that direction. When you have a word, it doesn't matter what other people say to you. It doesn't matter because you've got a word. So they won't talk you out of a word when you know you've got it. Five crucial disciplines to fulfill your purpose. That was the uh, title of the broadcast we did. Five crucial disciplines to fulfill your purpose. And so uh, you know very well, very well, I've got a word from God. Whether they're happy about it or not makes no difference to me. No difference to me. If somebody came to me today and said, you shouldn't be in the ministry. You shouldn't be preaching. You're not supposed to be doing this. That's not going to phase me one bit. But of course I've been in it for 20 years. But if people came to me year one and said, you're not supposed to be a preacher. You're supposed to go do something else in year one. It would not have mattered to me a bit because I had a word. If people came to me in Bible school while I was still studying, and said, you're not supposed to be a preacher. You're not supposed to do any of that. Wouldn't have mattered to me a bit because I already had a word. And when you've got a word, you know what you're supposed to do and you know who you're pleasing when you accomplish it. So let, let the chips fall. Let people get upset. 
Let them get bent out of shape. You can't do everything and be successful in your call. You can't do everything and be successful in your call. I want you to write it. I can't do everything and be successful in my call. I cannot do everything and be successful in my call. No question. (laughs) That's true, Dylan. It's going to be the December partner offer. No. Scroll up. That's true, Mildred. She said, Will Smith became a big movie star with money and fame, but look at his uh, family life now. Where is God in their lives? The way they live is ungodly. Money and fame became his God. No question. No question. In fact, his uh, very interesting uh, uh, point here, Mildred, he says towards the end of the book that his ex-wife became very, uh, a very devout Christian again. And her, his oldest son that he had from his first wife, Trey, became a, a very faithful Christian. Uh, that's the one, if you've ever seen his family, that's his older son that's like maybe 25 or something like that, 30. And he said they were sitting at breakfast one day and it, after his son had gotten into Christianity and with his mom and gotten back into church, and he looked at his dad and said, Dad, what do you worship? What do you worship? Because he could tell, he knew. And then he said, I I worship God, son. He said, why do you think that? He asked him the question, why do you think that? And so he could tell, he knew. He knew where his heart was. And so there's gotta be a key. So what, moving forward, moving forward, you've gotta understand there is an important, very important, this is not, listen to me, this is not something that is, Trust me when I tell you, this is not something that's a side thing, if you will. This is not some little small ingredient into accomplishing your purpose. This right here will either set you on track or it will cause you to be off on some exit somewhere on a back road, trying to get to the place God's called you to be and being frustrated because you've lost your way. Because now you're doing everything for everybody and you're trying to, because here's the thing, it keeps, it keeps dragging. It keeps dragging. It keeps dragging. Every time you say yes to the wrong things, it drags. And it dra- it's like connecting yourself to a ton of weight while you're trying to run a race forward. That's exactly what it's like. I've experienced before uh, this before, and I've completely cut it out of my life because I know what it feels like. You connect yourself to all this drag, and you're trying to speed forward into the calling and purpose God has for you, and it's terrible. It's absolutely terrible when you recognize that you can't do it. It steals your momentum, it steals your power, it steals your, uh, even your strength. Now watch this. When you're saying yes to everything, not only does it steal your strength, one of the most frustrating things it does is it puts a strain on you mentally where like you've expended all of your creative ability, your mental ability, your uh, critical thinking ability, your planning ability, your brainstorming ability, doing all these other things for other people and haven't even begun to touch yours yet. And by the time you get to yours, all those things, which are limited, by the way, are, they've been, they've, they've been drained from you 
before you've even gotten started on what your thing is. And then you're sitting there and you've already spent all your strength and energy and mind on doing other people's stuff. And then you're sitting there thinking, well, what about mine? How now, how am I going to do, how am I going to do what I'm called? And it's frustrating. It's frustrating seeing that, seeing people try their very best to make it happen when they can't make it happen. And so you've got to be able to say no to the proper things. And here's the deal. What we realize is not everybody will be happy. Not everything will be happy. Look at David. I mean, like, look at, look at David's life. I mean, I think about how crazy when he walked out on the battlefield and he wasn't even a soldier, right? And first of all, you've got Goliath speaking. And as Goliath is speaking, David in his mind, he says, no to the claims Goliath is making, first of all. But then his brothers start to speak, tell him to shut up, tell him to sit down, tell him to settle down. Then he says no to what they're saying. The king tells him, you can't fight this man. He's a trained professional. David says no to the king and says yes to the spirit of God. Now, I want you to catch this. He had to say no three times before he said yes. Hear this now. He had to say no three times before he said yes. He, he rejected the things Goliath was saying. He rejected what his brothers were saying and he rejected what the king was saying and then said yes to what he knew God could do. Now watch this. This is interesting to me because these three different people represent the three that will try to shut you down in your calling. Number one, Goliath, the spirit of this world. I want you to put these down in the comments. Number one, the spirit of this world. That's the first thing that tries to tell you about what you should and shouldn't do. And you've got to learn how to scream no at that. No, not going to guide my steps. It's not going to guide my life. No. Spirit of this world. That's Goliath represents that. It's easy for most people to see that they should say no to the spirit of this world because we know that it's opposed to God. We know that it's opposed to God. Now, the second two I'm going to give you, it's, it's harder to say no because people start to feel it in their own heart and in their own life. But number one, you got to say no to the spirit of this world. That's what Goliath is. The anti-Christ, anti-God spirit. Number two, his own brothers. Shut up. You're just a boy. Sit down. You don't even says no to his own brothers. So catch this. There will be times when your family, your family will tell you things that are not in alignment with what God's called you to do. And that's when it gets really hard. When you've got family members that don't believe in you, that tell you, no, you shouldn't do that. And you know, God told you to do it. That's not smart. If you ask me, I wouldn't do it. And you've got people in your own family that say, no, no, that's crazy. You shouldn't attempt that. Don't step out and do that. I'm just telling you because I love you. It's not easy when you've got family members that aren't standing with you. 
or that tell you it's not possible or tell you it's not wise or whatever it might be. Not easy. But notice David, and it's not like it was just anybody. It was his older brothers. These guys were already in the military. They seemed like they were, they knew what they were talking about. There's a reason we're all hiding behind these foothills. And David had to say no to his own family, to his own family. Mike is right. 2020 brought a a lot of family hate out. I got people calling in. I got family that won't even speak to me because I didn't get the jab. I have family that won't speak to me because of my stance on politics. I have, we've had family that told us extended family don't even come to our house anymore. Don't even come see us. Don't even come visit us until you've gotten the jab. (laughs) See you in heaven. (laughs) I guess we'll see you in heaven. And I'm telling you, you're going to have these things and people have to recognize this. If you allow family to govern your life over the voice of God, you will have trouble. What did Jesus tell his disciples? Can I not go back to my family? Let the dead bury their dead. You move forward. There will be people in your, maybe there's people in your family that aren't even saved. Maybe there's people that aren't filled with the Holy Ghost. Maybe they don't understand what you're called to do. They don't understand the faith you're stepping out in. Do you have a word from the Lord or not? If you have a word from the Lord, that is the thing you follow. Not family. Well, I just wanted to give you some advice. I bet you do. And you don't have to be rude about it. You don't have to be mean about it. You say, thank you. I know you love me. I know you care for me, but I know I'm supposed to do this. I know I'm called to do this. And you say no to family that disagree with the word that God's given you. You disagree. That's fine. You're welcome to disagree, but I know what the Lord has said. I know what the Lord said. And this one's hard. Many people never move past this one. You know, I'm, I'm called to preach the gospel. And then you got family members. Well, what if that doesn't work out for you? You need to go to college first and get yourself a degree. That way you got something to fall back on. And they don't even understand that they are negating the thing that the Lord has told you to do. This happens all the time. It's one of the main reasons that people who are called to preach don't end up in the ministry because they have family members that talk them out of it before they ever get there. You really think that's going to be a career path that you want to take and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just telling you, this happens to people. This happens to people all the time, all the time. It's got to be God's voice first. Don't let family, no matter how long they've spoken into your life, you have got to listen to the Holy Spirit first. Number three, the third thing is this, the king. And the king represents the specialists of the world, those in high places. Well, this is what the specialists are saying. Well, this is what the professionals are saying. And if God's given you a word, it doesn't matter what the professionals have said. Doesn't matter. You know, we had a professional tell us that we wouldn't be able to even start our ministry for at least two years, probably, because there's no way that we would ever be able to obtain a 501c3 status in order to have a nonprofit organization, to have a ministry. I mean, a professional told us that not, not in any kind of a negative way, like they were uh, standing against us. It's just that they were speaking from a professional aspect, from what was going on in the world at that time and told us very plainly, I have clients 
that have not been able to obtain a 501c3, everything's been, the paperwork's been submitted, everything's gone, and they've gone two years and have not heard anything back. And they still are waiting to start their nonprofit organization. And though I heard that word from a professional, a specialist, I, I went home and said, no, Lord, that will not be our story. I say no to that word that they spoke. I say no to that the professional, the specialist. I say no to that because I know you've given us a word to begin to minister to people and that this is the avenue of the path that we've got to go to do it. And so I said, I say no to that word. And we submitted our paperwork, I believe at the end of um, August, beginning of September. And we went out on the road to preach. And they told us very plainly, listen, People are waiting. I've got people waiting two years, have never heard anything back. I said, not our story in Jesus' name. Submitted at beginning of September. And I said, now this was my own faith confession. Maybe I lacked faith a little bit. Maybe it could have been faster. But it was September. And I said, before November comes to an end, we will have the approval paperwork in our hand. Now, (laughs) I gave God three months to work a miracle. (laughs) Maybe that was my own lack of faith. Maybe I should have said, by the time September comes to an end, we will have the paperwork in our hand. That's just where my faith was at the time. I I felt God needed three months for some reason. And I said, before November comes to an end, we'll have the approval paperwork in our hand. So by November 30th, that was my deadline, November 30th. Well, we came back from traveling and Carolyn remembers all these details better than I do. But we came back from traveling and the paperwork was sitting in our mailbox. And when we looked at the postmark stamp, it was at the beginning of November that they stamped it. And it, was, it didn't even take through November. By the time October came to an end, he does exceeding and abundantly above all that we can ask or think. I expected end of November. He did it at the end of October. And they stamped it out to us beginning of November. It came right to our house. And what the specialist said, and what the professional said, I said, it's not going to be our story. God's already given me a word. We're moving forward. And we did. Don't listen to the spirit of this world. Don't listen to family that doubts you, friends that doubt you. Don't listen to professionals and specialists that don't advise to go that direction. You do what the Lord told you to do. Do what the Lord told you to do. And here's the key. You say no to the proper things. You know, I've, I've given this. Uh, example in the past, I'll do it again just because uh, it's, it's appropriate, but there's this thing called in video gaming. If there's anybody on here that's ever played a video game, probably not. Maybe I don't have a lot of gamers. I don't think, but I like uh, RPGs where you can like control your character and take them up level after level after level. There's a, there's something called power leveling which allows your uh, character based on how you built them to level up in a certain area very, very quickly because you keep choosing certain attributes that take them up to the next level very, very quickly. So power leveling is something that really hit me because I was like, man, that makes, that makes sense to me because that's how life is, right? If I, if I know what I'm called to do, for example, it's good for me as, as a minister and doing what I do. It's good for me because God's given me the gift of music. It's good for me to focus on developing my musical ability. It's good for me on 
uh, to develop my writing ability because I'm a writer and the writing supplements my ministry, right? Books and all the uh, magazine, all the things we do. It's good for me to supplement all the things we do for media because these are all areas of my ministry that are impactful and they allow us to level up. But it would be not a good idea for me to go outside that box or that realm and spend all my time developing things that have nothing to do with what I'm doing. So in that way, I've got to say no to things that even may excite me, that, that may, you know, that really might, uh, even as a hobby, I might really get into it, really love it. I could spend hundreds of hours doing it, but is that going to help me go to where God's called me to go? It's one of the reasons I thank God for Tiffany, but Tiffany always will ask before we start anything, she'll say, you know, what is the end goal for this? You know, before we start in on a new project, before we're doing a new thing, I know you have ideas, I know you have vision, but before we begin it, what is the, what direction are we going? What is, what do you want to see from this? What is the end result? How is this going to benefit what we're doing? Sometimes she says it to get me to see we shouldn't be doing it. <laughs> Not because she's looking for the answer truly. She wants me to see the answer that although that's an exciting thing and yes, that's good. I know you're interested in it, but what, how is that going to help us with our main goal? What's the end result of that? It's rhetorical for my own benefit so she can get me to see the difference between a vision person and a detail person. They're like trying to get you to see, yes, it's exciting. Yes, it's cool. Yes, it's nice. But is it going to benefit our end goal? Question needs to be asked because if not, we need to learn how to say no to things that aren't going to help us to level up where God's called us to go. And so um, you have to look at things in that way and you have to say, you know what? See, because a double-minded man's unstable in all his ways. That's why I said the thing God called you to do. I think I said this. What day did I teach the, the title that you gave me? Do you know what day that was? It was Tuesday. On Tuesday, I taught that five disciplines. And one of the things I said in that, you need to go back and listen again. One of the things I said in that broadcast was the thing God called you to do can never be a hobby. Can't be a side thing. If God's called you to do it, it has to be the main thing. Ministry can never be my hobby. <laughs> I mean, like I see people get out of Bible school and then they start doing other things. They're, now they're into real estate. Now they're a barista at Starbucks. And now they're, you know, it's like, what happened to ministry? So what you just spent the last four years studying to do. What happened to ministry? Well, you know, I'm just doing this until something opens up. Nothing's going to open up. Let me give you a head, heads up. Nothing's going to open up. You got to pursue it. You know what's going to open up? Real estate. You know what's going to open up? It's going to be more uh, hours at the coffee shop because that's what you're pursuing. What God has called you to do can never be a hobby. It has to be the main thing, which means you got to say no to other things. And I dealt with the fact that like in our first year in the ministry, we brought in $6,800 for 12 months, we had no ministry partners, none. We just went. Nancy said, I'm praying God sends me a Tiffany and a Jenna for my ministry. They're awesome. But I want you to understand something. When I brought in $6,800 and my wife came to me and said, you know, I can stay home and get a job. That was a viable option. 
She already had an amazing job before we started the ministry. She was getting blessed. She was getting promoted. She was getting raises. She's very good, very intelligent. But I said no to it. I said, no, we're not going in that direction. Why? In order to pull the focus back to the exact thing we should be doing. It would have been nice to say, you know what? Let's get that second income. Let's get that second income. Let's send you back to work. You know, you're doing good. Let's get that. We could really use a second income. But you know what I knew? Even then, God called us both to minister together. Oh, yes, Lydia, that's huge. Marry somebody with the same vision. Don't marry outside. If you marry somebody that's totally opposed to your vision, you're in trouble, man. You're in trouble. So you got to say no to those people. It doesn't matter how good they look in jeans. And so we knew we were both, both connected to the ministry, right? Or yeah, or any income. Exactly, Dylan, any income. But we said, no, we know we're both called to minister. Well, look, look where God's placed us now. And we both are ministering together, but we knew then we were called to. And I said, I'm not separating you out of the ministry to go send you to work a secular job. And I don't care about the income. God took care of us. God took care of us. We never missed a house payment. We had a house. We had a mortgage. We never missed one payment on anything. We were blessed. I don't know how God did it. I'm not trying to explain how God did it, but we always had more than enough. He took care of us for being obedient to him. And it would have been nice to have the extra, but I knew, I knew it. This has got to be our focus. We're not going to be double-minded. We're single-minded. We'll not be unstable. We will be stable in all of our ways by being single-minded in faith and focus. And so we said no. We said no to the extra income. We said no to the job. We said yes to the thing that God said for us to do. And it's caught, all it has brought upon us is unending increase annually, never ending increase. That's all it's brought. By saying no to the right things, we said yes to the right things, and all it did was bring increase. That's it. Constant increase. The Lord did that. But you know how he did it? By giving us a word and us saying, we accept his word and we reject everything else. It'll, it'll save your sanity because if you start going around trying to please everybody, good luck. Good, good luck with your life. Good luck because you'll never please everybody and you'll run yourself ragged trying to, and then have nothing to show for it at the end. Cause you've built everybody else's vision and have never built yours. Uh, one of the best words that my pastor, Bishop Rick Thomas has given to me is he gave me, he said, if I go back and do one thing differently, he said, uh, I wouldn't have built everyone else's ministry. I would have built mine. And he gave me the word. He said, don't you run around building other people's ministries. You build yours. Do what God has called you to do. Because let me tell you, and every one of you on here that are successful and every one of you on here that are, you're talented, you have skills, you have abilities. You know what I'm talking about. When someone knows you got skills, if they know you have an ability, if they know you have the wherewithal, they will lean on you to do everything for them possible. And they want you to do it because you're their friend for free. They know you take great pictures. Oh, come do, can you do my business photos? Can you come do my family? And they want you to do it for free. And all these other things, if they know you do this, if they know you do that, they want, they lean on you. 
if somebody knows you've got uh, skills, abilities, talents, man, they will do, people will use those talents up until you say no. They'll use them up. They'll use them up. And you got to learn that it's a valuable talent that you have, that it is something God's placed in you. It's an investment from heaven into your spirit. It's not to just be strewn around uh, carelessly. It's to be uh, stewarded and cared for. No question about it. People will try to take advantage of you. So you say, no, thank you. No, there's people I've dealt, I've dealt with this on broadcast. There's people that'll even abuse your time, which is one of the most annoying abuses that you can uh, deal with. People call you all hours of the day. They don't even ask you, do you have a minute to talk? They just launch in. They just launch in. There's no, they don't care about your time. They'll call you all out. There's a, there used to be a dude. He was a minister. He would call my father at all hours of the night. He called my dad at three in the morning and start talking to him and talk to him until the sun came up. My dad would just lay the phone down on the, on the pillow and go back to sleep. He'd wake up in the, in the morning and the dude's still talking. Didn't even know my dad was asleep. He's just still talking on the other end of the phone, still talking. And we've done a broadcast on boundaries, probably multiple ones, but here's the deal. If you don't set them, you won't have them. If you don't set them, you won't have them. Talking about boundaries. That's being able to say no at the right time to the right people, to the right things. No, you're not calling me at 3 a.m. You're not calling me at 3 a.m. I'm sorry. It's not happening. You're not just stopping by the house anytime you want. It's not happening. All these different things, you're not, all these different things. Now, there are some people that can stop by the house, but you know what I mean? There's people that just abuse you. They abuse you. And so there's, you have to make boundaries. You have to set them up. You have to say no properly. And if you don't, it'll destroy your productivity, your ability. It's important. God has a very vital plan for your life. Essential. Don't ever, listen, if I could get this into your spirit before I pray for you, this is the thing I would get into your spirit. Don't ever underestimate the importance, the crucial nature of the calling and the purpose that's on your life. Don't ever compare it to somebody and say, well, I'm not as important as they are. If God gave it to you, why would you degrade his purpose? It's his purpose in your life. Why would you ever degrade or speak down about his purpose in your life? He's the one that anointed you. He's the one that called you. He's the one. Amen. And it's important. You're important. You are vital. You're a, 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 the, what Paul said was you're a member in particular of the body of Christ that no one can say is unnecessary. That's what Paul taught. So don't ever look at yourself or let the devil speak to you and say, well, what you're doing is not that important. It's not that, but oh no, if God gave it to you, it's very important because God doesn't do anything by accident. It's never arbitrary. It's never useless. You're vital. Yes, Jess Burton. That's the last thing I want everybody to put right there in the comments before we pray. I am vital. 
Know it and write it. I am vital. Mildred, we are going to be coming back to Crawfordsville. We're coming back. We will see you again. I am vital. That's right, Lydia. Don't listen to the lies. I am. Come on, Winona. Pearl of great price. You are vital. You are vital. You are vital. The Lord wouldn't have called you and purposed you and anointed you if you weren't vital. And you are. You absolutely are. And I want to pray. See, because what does it take in order to step out and do this? Boldness and strength. That's why Paul, don't be ashamed to pray for boldness if Paul prayed for it. The apostle said, pray for me that boldness would be granted unto me. <laughs> don't, if he prayed for it, don't you be ashamed to pray for it. I need it. And I'm a bold person and I need more boldness. I need more boldness. It's worth it. You're right, Lydia. It's worth the fight. It's worth the boundaries. It's worth the confrontation. It's worth the friction to do what God's called you to do. Father, I pray for every one of these precious people in the victory tribe. Lord, I ask you what we just described. We need Holy Ghost boldness. Speak to us. Give us a fresh word. If there's anybody that's listening or watching that you said, you know what? I don't know what my purpose is yet. I don't know what my word is yet. Speak to them afresh and anew today, Lord. Let them hear clearly. Let them hear clearly what you're saying. I pray in Jesus' name that you would impart new fire, new boldness, new hunger to every one of us. Lord, if there are people watching that have struggled emotionally, part of their makeup is they cannot seem to disappoint people. They're people pleasers. Lord, remove that from them today. Give them that thickness of skin that's not going to mind a confrontation, that's not going to mind somebody being temporarily dissatisfied with their life so that they can obey what you've said to do. Step out and do what you've called them to do. We thank you, Lord. Fresh fire in the Holy Ghost, fresh boldness to accomplish our purpose. And we will do it, Lord, what you've called us to do. In Jesus' mighty name, we thank you and we give you praise. And if you believe it, somebody shout amen, throw some fire, throw some hands up. Um, Ninja said you can't even spell vital without VT. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Amen. I feel the Holy Ghost on that. You are vital. What you're about to do, we're closing this year in wonders and next year we're setting our faith. Divine possession. Divine possession in Jesus' name. We will hold in our hands what we've never held. We'll do what we've never done. We will do what we've never done. Hallelujah. <laughs> I feel joy on it, man. Whew, hallelujah. That's right, bold as a lion. The wicked run when nobody's chasing them, but the righteous are bold as a lion. The lion's anointing is on us because we are directly connected to the lion of the tribe of Judah. We are, he is our elder brother, the Bible says. God is our father. Hallelujah. The lion's anointing, boldness to accomplish your purpose. Before we go, I'm challenging you today. I've done it this week. Love you too. Roe is in the house. I, I've done it this week. 
We're setting our faith to sow the most impactful seed that we have ever sown. It's time to be introspective and say, have I done something that has put me in position for what God's going to do in 2022? These last one and a half months, set your faith, put a seed in your hand. And we really know the one who's doing that is the Lord. He gives seed to the sower. You say, well, I don't have that thing to sow right now. Ask the Lord, because if he knows your heart is sowing, he gives seed to the sower. Carol and I have a very significant seed ready to go. And I want to encourage you, do something by faith that will put you in position to accomplish and to receive what God has. I'm not, we're not going to get there by accident. It's not going to happen by accident. What I've seen God do over these last 24 months are directly connected to what we have done in faithfulness and dedication to the kingdom. No question. No question. There's other people writing in. They need prayer. Uh, we've, I've seen three go by. They need prayer in their bodies for their families. I was able to call our friend Angela uh, yesterday and did a three-way call to Jamaica and Guyana yesterday after the broadcast, praying for healing, divine healing, cursing cancer, stage four cancer in Jesus' name. So Lord, I pray for those that are watching and listening that need miracles. Lord, touch their bodies, touch their minds and families. I rebuke every wicked attack of the devil. And I command it to loose its grip and let them go. Healing virtue flow into their bodies, delivering anointing come into their minds and bodies. Addictions broken. Be free in the wonderful name of Jesus. Receive your miracle today in Jesus' name. Those that are watching, you know how you can sow a seed. All the information's on the screen. In this month of November, of course, we're sending you the camels are coming. My father has just released um, Study on the Gifts of the Spirit. Volume 2 is going to be coming very soon. Cannot wait to get this in your hands. It will bless you. If you want to receive it and you've stood with us this month in partnership, go to miracleword.com forward slash offer, fill out the form, and we will get it to you ASAP. Don't forget, brand new kids content available for the uh, this week on David, character studies, miraclewordkids.com. Download the free app, get all of the content, plus all of our broadcasts from television are uploaded there in the app for you to watch. Amalia said, amen. She receives it. Lena's daughter receives it. Jesus name. Praise God. I heard Ninja. I heard they had a powerful service at the stand last night. My father's preaching in Tampa, Florida. He's at the Bible school all week. We're headed to see him for Thanksgiving. It's going to be great. Thank you to everybody that's sowing seeds and standing with us in partnership. Maybe you're watching. You've never partnered with this ministry. I want to encourage you to partner, stand with us on a monthly basis. Believe God that this generation will be changed before it's too late. If you'd like to take a look at it and do what the Lord's asked you to do in partnership, go to the website, miracleword.com and click on the partner tab. You can see all that we're doing. You can fill out the form. You can stand with us on a monthly basis. Do what the Lord's asking you and you will be blessed. I love you. I'll be back in the morning. Carolyn will be back tomorrow afternoon. It's going to be a great, great day. Have a great day in the Lord. Be blessed. Favor. Stay under the spout where the glory comes out. Stay too blessed to be distressed. I love you. I'll see you later.
Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.